Welcome to the Illuminated Path Podcast. I'm your host, Liv, founder of Eno Wellness Collective. My wellness journey started with yoga, which led me down the path of exploring healing modalities like meditation, breath work, sound healing, mindset work, and so much more. This exploration inspired my mission to help others find what lights them up. Get comfortable and curious as we learn from experts, teachers, and creators who are lighting up their communities and living an inspired, expansive life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Illuminated Path podcast. Thank you for being part of our growing and expanding Eno Wellness community, as well as our audience that is tuned in and connected every other week on this podcast. It's been really beautiful to witness and connect with all of you that have been listening to the launch episodes, that have been listening to our episode a few weeks ago with Asia. Keep the comments, keep the messages coming. It's so beautiful to connect with all of you, and I am excited to share this next episode with you. So for those who I don't know, I became a parent last year. I gave birth to a beautiful son in June. And since then, actually through pregnancy and into becoming a mom, I have been so inspired in so many ways to create, to support. And so a big part of the evolution of what I do and my offerings has has been very much inspired by my journey becoming a mom. And so One of the things I did postpartum was lead a six-week program for 10 to 13-year-olds all about yoga and mindfulness. It was called Coconut Kids. It was such a fun program, not only to create, but also to lead. And I had planned it and done most of the sort of logistics before having a baby. And then I knew that it was going to come later on, a couple months later. So... One of the books I got my hands on during my early postpartum days, I think I was only a few weeks into having a baby, was this beautiful book called The Yoga of Parenting. And I remember when I saw the cover and I saw what it was about, I was like, yes, I need this in my life. I'm a yoga teacher, so the yoga of parenting just felt like a perfect fit for something that I needed to read, even if it was just a page. Obviously, I'm not reading long books during my postpartum time, but I would slowly start to peel the pages and turn the pages and really connect with this book. And so for Coconut Kids, a piece of it was obviously working with the kids, but I also wanted to really work with the parents because I do really believe that having that impact on the parents can then cause the ripple effect down the road with the kids. And so I had reached out to Sarah Ezrin, who is the author of the book, I had asked her if she wanted to do a virtual workshop for the Coconut Kids parents, and she was so on board and excited to do that. So I got to be in a workshop with her. I got to witness her in action, and from there, I knew I needed her on the podcast. I have been inspired by her not only as a yoga teacher, but also as a mom, I love how real she is online and how that also translates right into our conversation too. And so if you're unfamiliar with Sarah Ezrid, she's a world-renowned yoga educator. She's a content creator. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is a special place in my heart as well. And she's the author of this book, The Yoga of Parenting. I will link it in the show notes if you want to order it, or it's a great gift as well for those people who might be expecting But what I love about Sarah's work is that she guides people along their wellness journey, but also their parenthood journeys. Her words, her classes, her social media are all supportive and really healing spaces for people to be seen and heard. And she has a lot of different ways you can connect with her as well, whether that's through Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Substack. And so in our conversation today, We'll talk a little bit about how she found yoga. I always get so interested on how people discovered yoga, what that journey was like for her to go into changing from student to teacher, and really how writing has been a part of her story from the very beginning. How she wrote her book, how she became a mama, and how she supports the parenthood journey of those in her world too. 
was so lovely to connect with her beyond the book and beyond the workshop and getting her on the podcast. And this is an amazing episode to listen to, whether you're a parent or not. She has so many great tips and stories to share on her journey that I think will be inspiring to this audience. So let's dive in. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Liv. I'm so excited to be here with you. And I'm so excited that you're bringing this podcast into the world because you have all these amazing creations with your community and through the Ina retreats. And like, so now to be able to do it, like, especially as a parent, right, to have this audible track to be able to listen to you as we're walking around, since most of us can't necessarily get to your events. This is very exciting. I'm really excited. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to bring, you know, we're in Guam, we're like excited <laughs> to expand the net a little bit and bring yep. people in and bring listeners in from all over. And the Bay Area has a special place in my heart since I lived there for about six or seven years in San Francisco. Um, so, you know, getting to connect with you and seeing how what you're doing out in the Bay Area is super special to see. So, you know, one of the things I'm always interested in as a yoga teacher myself is how people connected to yoga in the first place, what their sort of yoga journey was. I know yoga influences a lot of the different things that you do. So I would love to hear a little bit about what drew you to yoga. Where did you first discover it? Well, I have to give the credit to my father, actually, because I first discovered yoga as a joke. I had just turned 19 years old. This was 2001, the, the years of the VHSs, and he had sent me a box of, of gag gifts, if you will, about getting older, right, which is hilarious now. I'm 42. I'm like, oh, yes, I was so old at 19, but, you know, with like an AARP card, like retirement card, but one of the things was a yoga C, uh, VHS. And my roommate and I, we were in college at the time. I was a sophomore in college. We put it on, you know, we were like still smoking at the time. Like, I think we were fully expecting to be laughing at it. And it was instantaneous that we fell in love. Instantaneous. And we started to do it in our dorm room all the time. We started to find classes in the um, local town where we were going to school it's really amazing because, you know, almost 25 years later, we're both still yoga teachers. So, you know, what, and I, I know like, yes, it was a joke, but it was also like, I, I was probably not on the best path <laughs> at 19. And I think it was, it was like a plea, if you will, for getting healthy and for taking care of myself. And it was such a redirection and such a pivot um, in the most beautiful direction. And yeah, she's also a yoga teacher in the Pacific Northwest. Her name is Allison Duckworth. And it's just kind of amazing. It was this one thing. It reminds me, I mean, not that I'm comparing myself to Einstein by any means, but there's, I read my kids' stories that are like coming of age stories of, of all these amazing inventors. And Einstein's dad like got him a watch. I think it was like a watch or a compass. I think it was, it was either a compass or a watch. Anyway. And it, but it changed everything. Right. And so that was, that was like that for me. It was like that one gift that just, it changed the whole trajectory of my life. That's funny because the first yoga class I ever attended or went to with a friend of mine that was in college, she's actually a yoga teacher now as well. So I always think back on like that first class and we were like, let's go take it together. How crazy that we both ended up like really following the path deep into it and becoming teachers. So that's awesome. So when you were practicing your early days, um, deciding, okay, I'm going to switch to teaching and actually learn how to teach yoga, go deeper into the practice. Uh, what was that experience like for you deciding to go into the, the front of the class and actually teach? Yeah. Uh, so my, I continued to be really interested in it. I was getting a psychology degree in college. And I think healing and helping people heal has always, that's just always been my passion. I, I think that's what I was put on the earth to do. Um, so I did the next natural thing when I got back to home to LA, which was to go into the movie business <laughs> where you're working with people with all types of stuff and uh, like as an assistant. And, you know, I, I just thought that that was like, that was going to be my path. I I also loved movies too. I love psychology and people. I think it's stories that I love. I love I love stories and people. And I continued to do yoga. It was my lifeline through so many things. It was my lifeline through working for really intense people, really, really intense hours, really intense jobs, um, projects. 
And it was my lifeline for when my mom got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And it was around that time I was working in a film. I was working on the Paramount lot, Paramount, which is in Hollywood. And down the street is a yoga studio, which was called Center for Yoga. It was one of the first yoga studios in all of LA. And my mom had been diagnosed for a while at that point. And I just, I was just miserable in, in what I was doing. All I wanted to be doing was with her and, with, and doing yoga. And I looked up a training and sure enough, this studio, which was originally Center for Yoga, had been bought by Yoga Works. And there was a training starting like in like three weeks. And I emailed them and they were like, well, we've got one more spot for you. And I got in and I was a few weeks into the training when she got her terminal diagnosis. And I literally just left my job. So my intention was I was going to do both. I was going to try to like juggle being on the Paramount lot, working for this producer. We had this, you know, huge project going on at the time. I was like, it's a weekend training. I can make this work. Like, yes, I get out at 8 p.m., but that's fine. I'll go straight into philosophy and then I'll be like, you know, da, 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 da. And, you know, unfortunately or, or fortunately, I think it's all kismet. Um, a few weeks in, they they told her she only had a few a few months to live, and and I was like, no, I'm not juggling anything anymore. I'm going headfirst into yoga, and I literally walked off the lot that day. I don't even remember when I went back to get my my stuff, but I you know told him I was like, I can't do this anymore, and um, they were very understanding, and and blessedly, my mom got about another year and a half after that, so she even got to help me launch my career and see me, you know, graduate from my first teacher training and start teaching. And um, so it all felt very faded, if you will. But um, it's just funny that you kind of ha sometimes have to like go one way to figure out you need to go the other. But yeah, I, I often wonder if like I was put on that lot, not necessarily to work in production and to like experience the movie industry, which I'm glad I did. And I'm, and, you know, I've learned so much, but because I was being put next to that yoga studio, which then became my home studio for until today. Wow. And you know that when you said that you had that very clear decision when your mom um, had the terminal, got the news about being terminal, that you wanted to leave your job, what, what allowed you to stay in the yoga program rather than being like, I'm going to, you know, get, say no to everything and just be here. What, what did it actually help you with as you were going through that experience? Well, my like, you know, my realization that I didn't have to do what I was doing came before the terminal diagnosis. She, so she'd been diagnosed, right? And they were like stage four lung cancer. And, and if anybody's familiar with lung cancer, it's, it's a long road. And, you know, there's always all these steps and these treatments. And like, obviously it, it had spread by the time she passed away. But in the beginning they, they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, we've got it. We're going to do this lobectomy in your lung. And, you know, they're, there's, they're very positive and I, I don't mean to be dire about it, but you think you have so much more time than you do. And I was sitting with a friend and I was like, you know, like, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm getting paid well. There's like a glamour side to it, but I'm miserable. I'm absolutely miserable. And I want to be with my mom. I want to be there after her surgeries. I, I need more flexibility. I don't want to be screamed at every day. Uh, and a friend said, well, in a perfect world, what would you do? This is before I, I applied for the training. And it was the first time in my life. It's so funny. I don't even like talk to this guy anymore, but he said, in a perfect world, what would you do? And like, I, like, now thinking about that question, I ask myself this all the time. What would you do right now if you could do anything? I'd never been asked that before. And it gave me choice and it gave me agency. And it was the first time that like that facade where I thought I just had to do the things that I did because everyone else that I went to high school is doing that. And that's just what you do when you grow up in LA or you grew up in X, right? Insert wherever you're from and just kind of like following your family's path or following your friend's path it cracked that. And I realized like, oh, I have choice. I can start to take a different direction. So it, the seeds had been planted long before that. There was already kind of like cracks and crumbling going on. I had actually applied to go back and get my MFT, um, which is marriage and family therapy and psychology. I had been Googling different retreats and training. So there was all these different seeds. It wasn't like this immediate over the night. I know it's like I can tell the story that way, but but it, you know, it, it it was just it. What it really started with was that idea of possibility. Like, oh, you don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be doing this anymore. 
And, and really, if you could take everything away, you know, forget how much things would cost, you know, forget the having to get there, what would you do in a dream world? And it's kind of amazing how our dreams become so much more achievable when we take away all those limitations. Such a powerful question. I ask that a lot to my coaching clients to, you know, even something as simple as what's your ideal day? Like, what's your ideal morning? How are you spending it? Like, if time and money and all of that is out of the picture, what is what does it look like? And it is, it is really a, a super powerful, uh, powerful space to, to dream in. Um, so I know that for me personally, when I became a, uh, went through my yoga teacher training, at least my first one, I really fell in love with being this student and it led me into so many other trainings and programs and teachers and styles. And so for you, when you got into the yoga world and became a teacher, what was that path like after in terms of either teachers you were uh, really you know, connected to or other programs or certifications even that came after? I, so I am all about the trainings and it's funny because right now I'm like, it, I'm not taking movement trainings necessarily, but I'm taking like a nervous system training and then a conscious parenting training. I'm taking a million trainings because I, I feel the same. I love it. And I forgot how much I loved it because I took a bunch of trainings and I started being the trainer and that was my focus for so long. And you forget like the freedom of, of sitting in the back of the class and getting to learn. Uh, my yoga path was pretty linear because I started in a vinyasa setting. I then started, you know, with power yoga. And then by the time I started my teacher training is when I fell in love with Ashtanga yoga. And that was my path for a very, very long time um, until I had a severe shoulder injury that prohibited me from doing that. I always taught vinyasa. Um, I would sometimes substitute Ashtanga, but I, I just, I loved teaching vinyasa because I loved the the creativity of the sequencing, um, even though my practice every day was the same, right? Because, you know, Ashtanga is a memorized sequence. And then around when I met my husband, when I moved up here, when I had the shoulder injury is when my own practice became very much more vinyasa flow heavy. I've always been a flow girl, even though I've had, you know, I trained with amazing Iyengar teachers like Lisa Walford and um, but my my main teachers have always been Mati Rati, who started Yoga Works, and you know, unfortunately, we lost her in July 2019. And Annie Carpenter, you know, they and Annie is still like I just was studying with Annie last week and was like dying in her class doing Warrior Two, you know, like 20 years later, and I'm literally like, you know, she's still challenging me and um, encouraging me to have this presence that I just don't find in anyone else's classes. So I, the path has been quite straight as far as my movement teachers go. Now, I've also had other amazing teachers along the way, like trainers and people who I gravitate towards. But other teachers that I've had are like not yoga necessarily, like, you know, falling in love with soul cycle teachers. And the class, I, I'm very, very obsessed with the class right now that started during the pandemic, Taryn Toomey's The Class. And Taryn's classes and and one of her lead teachers, JC Gossett. So and and also now I'm really into meditation. Um, and I've never studied with Tara Brock in person, but I meditate to Tara Brock's teachings at least once a day if I can. But um, it's definitely an amalgam of things. But yeah, as far as the movement goes, it's like my two, my tried and true. I will always be a yoga works girl at heart, or at least Mati, right? I think Mati's kind of like all of our mama. And then it all comes from there, Mati and Annie. Amazing. Yeah, I, I actually used to go to Yoga Works when I was in San Francisco. As one of, it was right down the street from one of the houses I lived in. And I did take an Annie Carpenter class actually at, at a Wanderlust before. And I really, really loved um, her as well. There are so many amazing teachers and styles, but I also find myself nowadays being really connected to teachers that aren't necessarily movement teachers either that are, you know, speaking or teaching on different topics that are all sort of related. So I know that, you know, yoga is a piece of your puzzle, but also writing is a big piece as well. You contribute to all these different amazing um, places. And obviously you read a book. So where did that love for writing and wanting to actually um, include that in your work? Where did that spark come from? Well, the writing well predated the yoga. The writing has been a part of me since literally I could put pen to paper. I have this like Sarah's first book <laughs> that I created when I was four. You know, I was writing all throughout my elementary school years. 
I was continuing to write in high school, though I had other things to do, but I definitely had like a good diary still going, you know, so I, I was always free writing was always something that was very important to me. Um, a couple years into my teaching, I, I just really missed sharing in that forum. You know, I wasn't writing essays for school. And, and as I'd mentioned, right, I went back into a psychology program. I loved writing essays. And, and I think this was around the time that Mind Body Green had just started. Um, I'm not even sure Elephant Journal had started yet. And I set the intention to start writing again. I was like, well, I want to write about yoga content. Like, I love it. I live it. This is all I want to do all day long. And I got published on Mind Body Green at a at a really early point in the websites, um, you know. And it's not even a website right now. It's like it's a whole movement um, in in that media group's beginning. And then eventually it was Elephant Journal, and then it just slowly started to trickle from there. My goal was always Yoga Journal. I had best friends that were like on the cover of Yoga Journal, like a week out of teacher training, and I'm like, what is this, you know? Um, very proud of them, but I had like, it felt like such a steep hill for me to climb to try to get there because I didn't necessarily have the showy asana practice, but I knew that I could contribute something that was moving or, um, inspiring for people. And, and so I set the goal to write for yoga journal. I like that must've been 2010. It took me until 2018 to finally, get to write for them. And I'm, I'm actually very glad it took as long as it did. Um, because I've had a consistent, I, I write at least, you know, I was, I had a weekly column for a while. It's slowed down just because of, you know, budgetary reasons on the, in the whole industry. Um, but I'm glad it took as long as it did because I, I became more seasoned as a writer. I was much more confident in what I was putting out. It wasn't as, showy as I think it would have been in the early days of teaching, right? Like when I first started practicing and teaching where it was all about like, what are the poses I can do? I, I'd, I'd been in a much deeper phase at that point because um, it had been already been almost 10 years since I'd started teaching. And yeah, and then, you know, it continues to this day. I've, I've been through many amazing editors there, some of whom have gone to incredible publications elsewhere. And um, you know, we're just like still the dearest of friends. And it's, it's probably been my, my straightest through line. Um, it's, it's been a real honor getting to be a part of Yoga Journal and getting to write for them. And I, I did eventually get to write a couple things for the magazine when it was still in print. So that, you know, that's always cool to actually see it in paper, but I love being able to write for the digital site because I can get stuff up quickly. We can get to even more people um, and it's just, it's such a wonderful, wonderful gift to be able to have that platform to share. Yeah. And a good reminder that it doesn't happen overnight. Like you said, like how many years before, before it happened that it, the consistency and dedication and yeah, yoga journal for any yoga teacher, anybody in the yoga space, like, yeah, it's iconic. Whenever I see someone that's like featured in yoga journal, I'm like, wow, what a, what an inspiration. So that's awesome that you've had um, such a great experience and relationship and uh, that continues too. Um, so writing has been a piece of your life. Did you always know eventually one day, like I'm going to write a book or where did that idea come from that you're like, it's time now is the time for me to, to start this? I did. I did know that, right? It was my, my Sarah's first book at age four and then my like teen vampire trilogy at like 10 or 11. <laughs> But as far as the yoga book goes, I, I used to write out goals all the time. I'd write out like my one-year goal, my five-year goal, my 10-year goals. And I always had the goal of writing a yoga book. But when I look back to like 2008, 2009, it's just funny because the types of books I, I thought that I was going to write at the time, like, oh, I'm going to write an anatomy manual. It's like, what? <laughs> like, I don't know who I thought I was. And then I thought I was going to write like, you know, a like very like grounded, Americanized version of the yoga sutras. I'm like, God, thank goodness I did not do that. And, you know, like how offensive now, right? Like some of these things I'm like, who did I think I was? But I think you kind of need that, that like blind ego when you're, you know, in your mid twenties and you're just starting a new career. Um, and then I like, I just went through this very long period where it was like, I want to write something inspirational. I want to write something inspirational, but I could not figure out what that idea was. I had a million ideas for one-off articles, 
Like I could think of an article in five seconds. I can write you an article on like how to deal with elbow pain and, you know, what to do when you're, you know, this is a good one for waking and this is a good one for sleeping and this is a good one for midday. But I couldn't figure out, I'm like, what's the book? What's the book? And then of course I became a mom, you know, and, and as I was both preparing for birth and then not that I read immediately after birth, because it was, as you know, very overwhelming in those days. But when I started to read books again, I realized that I had been searching for a particular book that just didn't exist. I was looking for a book that spoke our language. There was, you know, definitely some amazing mindful parenting books out there um, and some incredible teachers, but I couldn't find the yoga. Like, where was the yoga parenting? Literally, like, where where was the book that was speaking the language of yoga? And that's when I had one of those kind of like in the shower download moments where I was like, this is the book. I can write this book. But being 40 as opposed to 20, <laughs> I knew at the time that I did not have the the expertise or the experience. My My son was like one and a half when I came up with the idea and so what I also realized in that moment, and I think really this is kind of what bridged it, was like, this book is only going to be possible if I lean on other people. And that's when I started to reach out for others for help. And that's really what led to the, the beginnings of the book. It was, it was a, a kind of an amazing collaborative experience. And the whole process has been collaborative. I mean, even like getting to know you and you reaching out and then us leading in community. I mean, it's, it's so beyond the book. It's just this web of connecting people that are yoga practitioners, right? We're all connected. We all know each other. We all show up in class. But did you also know the person next to you as a parent? Did you also know they have a kid the same age as you? Like, it's just opening up this whole other way of connecting people. Absolutely. When I when I saw the book, I'm forgetting exactly which teacher reposted it that I follow. But I was a couple month, a couple of weeks postpartum. And I remember seeing this book. I was like, got to get it right away. I need this in my hands right away. Uh, because, the, you know, really being in the thick of it, like those yeah. early weeks, early months. Uh, and I just really connected to even just the title, Yoga of Parenting, 10 Yoga-Based Practices to Help You ground, Stay Grounded, Connect With Your Kids, and Be Kind to Yourself. So I wanted to read a little piece that, uh, that I saw on your website related to the book that, you know, really connected to, I really resonated with as well. So forget handstands and arm balances. The most advanced yoga parents ever do is raising children. If you're willing to slow down and look at our stuff, parenthood can provide a powerful lens for us to get to know ourselves more deeply. Much like when we are on our yoga mats, it is a place in our lives where we can observe our tendencies and learn how to shift our behaviors. So I always talk in my classes about how you can take everything that you learn on the mat off your mat, but I never had connected that to parenting as you do in the book. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about those early days when you were a mom, early motherhood, when this idea was also starting to take shape. How did you fuse in these yoga practices into your parenting and actually live a lot of what you write in the book? Those early days of motherhood were a beeping blur, right? Like that, I was a puddle. I was a mess. I was the dissolved caterpillar in the cocoon, if you will. And I think I, you know, I needed to go through all of that challenge to later, you know, you know, because I just want to be clear, it wasn't like I popped the baby out and was like, oh, I'm gonna write a book, you know, like, <laughs> it was, I, I had to go through a really dark period. And the dark period coincided with with the pandemic, because my son was born December 2019. And the shutdowns happened March 2020. So we were cut off. From I was I I had just started a mommy group I'd gone twice and couldn't attend in person and we didn't have any help right we didn't I was barely seeing my brother who lived a few blocks away so there was a it was a major period of isolation a really like you know learning learning as we go we're we're struggling with working from home also trying to raise our son. And I already have anxiety. I've had, you know, I just have had lifelong anxiety and it just reached new heights. Um, it got to the point where I almost couldn't leave the house some days, you know, and, and I would be frozen in parking lots, just so confused on what to do. I would really shut down and it was really debilitating. And at the same time, um, 
you know, we had also started to look for houses. I mean, you know, we were also living in the city and we were living like in the fog and it, it was beautiful and I love where we lived and, and I miss it. But like I, we needed to start reaching out towards a little more sunshine. So we started to look for places outside of the city. Um, we finally found a house that was in Marin, which was, you know, fantastic weather at the time of year that we moved. It uh, really felt like the storm clouds had parted. And I also found a um, mental health professional that that really helped me understand both. I, I definitely had postpartum anxiety, probably had postpartum depression, and here's our plan. So once I got the plan going and, and my, my mental health team was in place, that's when I got grounded. That's when I started to be open to like, oh, I'm going to start reading more books again. And I'm going to start, you know, doing this resource and taking this class. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, I like, let me actually contribute to this space in some way. Um, but it, I was a puddle. It was, it was really hard. The transition from zero to one was earth shattering for me. Um, I have to say the transition from one to two was much easier, but I know for some people it goes the other way, right? Some people zero to one is smooth and then one to two, but yeah, personally for me, it was te tectonic, um, but also I'm, I, I needed that. I think I, you know, just like when I had that big change when I was in my mid twenties and moving into yoga teaching, I think sometimes you need those, right? Where, you know, whatever your world is gets crumbled down and then you get to the roots of what's important and you grow, you grow new, new things, new beams, new directions. I'm de definitely very new in my motherhood journey, only, you know, seven months in, but even just going through pregnancy was such a wild experience. So eye-opening going through the birth portal <laughs> and then be into the motherhood. I we I also you know I gave birth uh, right a couple of days after a super typhoon that had hit Guam so there was like no power water internet like it was wild times and those early days even just you know as is without you know super typhoon happening or without COVID happening right it's it's already so intense and with all those like additional factors it it was it was intense and so one of the things that I was really inspired to do after. Um, actually, during pregnancy and then into postpartum was create a mom's group. I was creating the community that I was searching for and hoping for. And there's women in there that have uh, that are pregnant, first time moms uh, that have one, that have two, that have older kids, that have blended families. And every Monday I put in like a prompt, some type of reflection. And it's so incredible to see all of the different responses and different advice and wisdom coming from moms like in every different stage uh but i can imagine that yeah i am experienced i haven't experienced the one to two but the zero to one transition it's big your whole life you know changes and uh finding a new identity finding new ways to take care of yourself um so you have two boys now right you have you're a boy mama so in as you've gotten into the swing of motherhood more as your boys have, have grown how have you been able to find time for you, taking care of you, taking care of your yoga practice, not even any part physically, but even just, you know, keeping it a part of your life. Again, I think it goes back to the quote you read from the book, right? Which is like, I had to get really clear that like, no, I'm not doing a two hour Ashtanga practice. And, you know, I'm not even doing an hour. I'm not even doing a half an hour of moving my body, but everything I was doing was yoga at the time, right? Like breastfeeding my son and being just enamored with him and breathing his scalp and being super focused on him was yoga. So I, it started with the redefinition um, of what it actually meant. And then I slowly was able to start getting movement back in. I mean, you know, movement's always just been so important to me. I, I, with my first birth, I started, I actually started with walking with both of them, but with my first, I was like walking all over San Francisco. Cause again, everything was like shut down um, and then eventually I, I started to find my way back to the mat. It's funny because whenever I come back to yoga and I've been away from it for a while, it's always like, oh, you know, this is home. This is where I'm meant to be. But there are periods where I like almost like can't go there yet, if that makes sense. Um, you know, after my shoulder surgery, after the birth, um, after my second son was born, but I always end up back there. I always end up back on my mat. It, things started to really shift when 
I, you know, I, and I'll just be totally honest. Like I was alluding to it earlier. Like I had to go on medication for my anxiety. It was that severe. But once I got on medication, once I got my right medical mental health team in place, and I started to feel more grounded once we moved into some, some sunshine and the world, I think it started to reopen again. That's when I started to feel more settled and like where I was again. And that's when I started to get back to waking up really early in the morning. I've always been well, not always. When I was a teenager, I definitely wasn't. But for whatever reason, like I, I somehow became like I was like teaching seven a.m.s when I first started teaching, and always had like a six a.m. private. And um, it somehow has changed my body clock. And that's when I, I used to like to practice. Is when I did my Ashtanga practice. It was very early in the morning, and so I, I couldn't believe that I was even able to do this because um, you, you're. I mean, at seven months, right? I'm thinking like even around seven, eight months. So there was no way I could have woken up that early. But everything was starting to get more settled. I was finally getting my sleep back. And that's when I decided, I'm like, I'm just going to set my alarm for 5 a.m. And I'm just going to get up and I'm going to do my thing. And, and that's really, I mean, that's continued to this day. It continued all throughout the pregnancy. It's how, when I wrote my book, when I was pregnant with my second son. And, uh, and to this day, now I'm up at 345 because I can't sleep. And I want as much time alone as possible before they get up. Um, but it's, and, and it's not movement. I don't even do movement, you know, as mentioned, I, I do like Tara Brock meditations or breath work or, but it's just, or even just watching the sunrise, you know? Um, so it's, it's definitely not what it used to be, but I, I would say, even though my leg's not behind my head, and even though I'm not doing these two hour practices or getting into those shapes, it's a thousand percent deeper, a thousand percent. I got up uh, 30 minutes before my son this morning. And even that, like that yes. 30 minutes of like, I'm going to just slowly wake up, not run directly into, you know, to the crib, have five minutes to myself. I I personally love like my two things in the morning that once these two things happen, I feel like my the whole vibe changes. It's lighting some incense and putting on some music, any type Perfect. of you know, music. Those are two easy things, right? That I try to like, if I can get the music going and the incense going, like I, that's all I need in the morning. So a good reminder that it can be just as simple as waking up a little bit early just to give yourself some time to yourself. <laughs> I think you're right. For the listeners, it's important. Like everything's incremental, right? Like we were talking mm -hmm. about, oh, you know, what would you do in a perfect world? How would you change your whole life? Well, let's think about it minute by minute. Like what would you do in the next five minutes? Like if you could do anything right now in the next five minutes, what, what would you do? And similarly with the mornings, it's not like I like, you know, started setting my alarm and was doing hour long sits. Like it took, it took years to get to that point. But like you said, it was like the 10 minutes where I could drink my tea hot before the baby started screaming, you know, or I love the idea of lighting incense and music. So I, I really appreciate that you brought that up because it is, it's these little moments and then 10 minutes becomes 20 and 20 becomes 30 and 30 becomes two hours, you know, event or hopefully yeah. <laughs> I've, I, Jacob was a very, my second was super early riser. And I'm like, I'm never getting my mornings back. Like this guy, I would wake up at four, he'd be up at five, you know, or I at four 30. And I'm like, I, I like literally was like, I'm never going to get my mornings back. And I have to say now close to two and I'm sure it'll change. Cause I just said it out loud. Uh, you know, he will, he'll lay in bed sometimes till seven 30, like he'll get up at seven and then just play and lay in bed. So I like, it's coming girl. It's coming. It's, it's happening eventually. And you yes. know, it, it's just savor whatever minute you can get. I'm realizing that it is all temporary every couple days. It's mm. a new thing that's happening. So, you know, I know that in, in your book and even, you know, post book, you have a lot of conversations with parents. You're supporting people on their parenthood journey. You're interviewing a lot of people, having these conversations. I'm curious if you notice any themes that come up in your conversations, like things that either, you know, you're noticing like a lot of parents are or struggling with this specific issue or a lot of them are coming to me with this, you know, question. Because you've done so many conversations, what are you noticing as the themes? I think that's, first of all, a great question. I've never been asked that before. And I, I love that question. And I think it's really important to sit down and think about. <laughs> and now I want to, like, go back and listen to all the themes, um, to all the different interviews. I, you know, I would think offhand, I think we're all spread super thin. I think we're all exhausted and I think all of us are desperate for a village that doesn't exist. I'm incredibly grateful to people like you for 
putting the foot forward to create that mom's group in, you know, where you live. Cause a lot of places people don't have that or it's cost prohibitive. And, you know, we're all drowning. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. You know, like we, we have this tendency in America to put all these other countries on pedestals, but, you know, talking to mothers specifically, and I'm sorry, men, I don't, I don't mean to gender it, but, you know, it is often the mother experience anywhere in the world. There is this just overwhelm and this need for support and for care and, you know, I, I, families are just spread apart and we're just not living in the same settings that we used to. Um, and especially as the world becomes more and more Westernized, unfortunately, everything becomes a lot more individualistic too. So that's what I think people are most hungry for is they're hungry for the village. They're hungry for community. They're hungry for collective experience. Um, you know, and that includes ritual, right? Like everybody's just starved for ritual as well. So that seems to be, you know, what, what's lacking. And, and again, that's why I'm like so proud of you and inspired by you and glad to be connected to you because I see you creating these things. And, and that's, I, that's the thing that's probably been most inspiring is as I talk to these people, what I'm watching people create, because I, I do think there is a change coming. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, there is a solution coming, but that is, that is the deficit right now. We're all really just missing that village. Absolutely. And I, I find that a lot of the things that I create here, I, or that I do with my clients, I do it because I'm searching for that in a certain way. Mm. I had a client recently that a health coaching client that, um, I was coaching her from pregnancy into her postpartum time. And we created as her like closing, a session, kind of a, a little ceremony for her. We did some yoga, we did a sound bath, we did a reflection, kind of honoring her transition into motherhood, like this big shift, crazy transformation that just happened that everyone kind of forgets about after it happens. And so I feel like something as simple as that, just taking a moment to honor the change that has happened when a woman is in the thick of her, like, you know, postpartum times. I wish I had something like that at that time. So I'm like, I now will do that for all the clients I have that come to me in their pregnancy postpartum journey too. So um, yeah. yeah, it's a good, a good reminder to keep creating and keep uh, keep sharing it, especially, you know, we're all spread out. What I love about podcasts is it allows people to drop in regardless of where you are in the world. Um, it allows us to connect, even though you're in the Bay Area and I'm here in Guam. So um, yeah, definitely a, a good reminder too. But can so I ask when you a you question? And I know you're interviewing yeah. me. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Because you guys moved back to Guam to be closer to family. So like having lived in the States and now living back on Guam, are, it, it, does it feel like it's been westernized? Has there been like, is there a separation of family? Does it feel like family is closer there? Are you learning things there that you can influence and help us with in the West? Like what's the difference? What are you noticing as far as family in the village and showing up for each other? Yeah, so I, I lived in San Francisco for yeah about six years, but then before I moved back home to Guam, I lived in Amsterdam for a couple of years. Okay. And getting to experience that culture, European, Dutch culture, how they look at everything from birth to the postpartum care that they get, uh, I think just seeing that it, like contrast between the U.S. and Europe and then moving back home to Guam, obviously moving back home closer to family, um, I do see the importance of family here. People have big families. Like my mom is one of eight kids. I have a ton of cousins, a ton of family around here. Um, and just the support, the village that, that, that is created when a baby is born. And even, you know, whenever I go to all my family gatherings, I'm never even holding my son because he's being passed around to all the uncles and all the aunts, all the cousins. Like there's so much love that surrounds um, a kid and a child when they're born. Uh, but it is also a very sort of matriarchal society here. Uh, so there, I do see like, you know, a lot of things passed down between the women. I find that even like my baby shower, for example, is really beautiful to see just the women in my family gather for that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's lessons, I think, from living in San Francisco, living in Amsterdam, and now living back home that I'm kind of infusing into my motherhood experience here. Um, definitely creating that strong family village and extended friends and family that are part of that village too. Yeah. 
I think that's going to be your book. <laughs> it's like all the <laughs> taking from all the different cultures and, you know, just this wonderful way to support each other in this really yeah. important time. Yeah. One of the, you know, before, before I do any podcast interview, I'm always talking to my husband, telling him like, here's the guest, here's the book, here's the, you know, I was talking, talking to him about the the person. And I always ask him like, do you have any questions? Like what questions would you ask, you know? And he was like, ask her about the dads. <laughs> and so I know that parenting is, you know, co-parenting with your, with your partner. And a lot of people are also having all other people involved in their parenting journey, but how do you, how do you parent? How about the dads in the, in the parenting journey? How can they bring yoga into it as well? For sure. I mean, uh, like I, I'm torn now as I like definitely lean towards supporting moms because I don't want to leave people behind. I don't want to leave non-binary parents behind. I don't want to leave the dads behind. So I, I, it's just an internal <laughs> battle of my own. But going back to the, you know, that's just where the direction I'm potentially going in, right, as, as I think I'm leaning more towards moms. But the book itself and my intention behind the book was to be inclusive of parents of all identities and parents of all genders, because it is a, a universal experience. And, and these days, you know, I mean, is it, it, everybody is struggling, right? It doesn't, it's, you know, regardless of what your gender is, regardless of what your role is. So I, I think the book itself is very universal, right? I mean, the, the, the main themes in the book are presence, boundary setting, learning about your nervous system, um, you know, energy management, these are things that apply to to all genders. And, and I honestly think that we're in a phase right now where it's really hard for the dads because we're not in a tradition, you know, quote unquote, traditional family structure of what we were in the 50s, where it was like, the father is the breadwinner, and the, you know, the mother is the caretaker. And that's just the structure that society wants it to be. Instead, now we have these very involved fathers who do not have any, I mean, you and I are saying like, oh, we wish we had mommy groups. At least we knew mommy groups exist, right? Like the, the, most dads, there aren't a ton of dad groups out there. Their default, their knee jerk isn't like, oh, my wife's about to have a baby or, you know, uh, uh, let me not assume that it's a heteronormative couple, but like, you know, like my partner's about to have a baby, like I should go join a dad group. You and I instinctively know we're about to have a baby. We're going to go join a mom group, but there isn't that support in place for the for the dads, unfortunately, for men, and and especially you know it, it's it's just it's it's really tough right now, um, you know, especially given this intensive parenting that we're all doing, which is like yes, I, like my husband, I'll be fully candid with you guys right now, is that like. You know, writers don't make money. Yoga teachers don't make a ton of money. Like my, my husband is carrying a lot of the finances of the family and coming home and being an extraordinarily involved father. So we really do need to be looking out for the dads. Um, we really, really need to be conscious of that. And I, I think part of it too, I mean, you and I have sons, right? Like, so that's it. how are we raising our sons uh, I, I do think we have much more emotionally intelligent men in our husband's generations than perhaps our fathers were exposed to. I think my father has amazing emotional intelligence, but it just wasn't the norm. So I think the better we get at that, then the older they get, then the more support systems they have in place. But no, there's a huge lag right now for the support of dads. And um, that's a big, that's a big opportunity too, right? Like that's, that's what we need. Where's the daddy in me groups? Where's the dad yoga? Um, and you know, even dad postpartum care, right? Like the, there's an emotional hormonal experience that they're going through as well. I went to Japan recently with my family and I, it was our first trip with Sky, my son. And it was funny. We had about, we had like three or four dads, strangers, complete strangers, people we didn't know, like talk to us at some point during our trip and like share a piece of advice. I want to share a piece of advice about our stroller. Another dad was like, like, just wait, it gets, it gets more challenging from here. People are just coming out of the woodwork. I feel like it was mainly dads, like dads mm -hmm. connecting with my husband or sharing a piece of advice or being like traveling with a kid is hard. Huh? And it was really, it was really amazing to see because it wasn't the moms, it was the dads, like uh, having that connection or reaching out for some kind of connection. So yeah, I'm all for the daddy, uh, yoga. That would be amazing to see it as well. 
So when you think about what comes next for you, I know there's been so much that's come from the book, right? So much that opportunity, conversations, different things that, that you've um, done alongside the book, whether that's a podcast or writing. So where is your heart sort of leading next when it comes to your path? I'm definitely like in an incubation period right now. Like I, I feel like much like after birth, or when I left movies to go become a yoga teacher, or when I left college the first time, where you go through that, like, I'm in the cocoon, and I've been dissolved, and I have no idea what's going on and where I'm going. That's what I'm in right now. I, I 100% feel that. And so I've gone back to trainings. I'm just taking as many trainings. You know how you, like, there's like a million teachers out there, right? Like all like master teachers, and everybody offers free classes all the time. And for years throughout the pandemic, I mean, it's like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, I never really got to attend one. I was always so busy doing like paid work, right? But now I'm taking every free course that I can get my hands on. I'm taking everything I can get my hands on. And I think I'm creating something. It feels like I will be leaning more towards motherhood. Again, not to discount the the dads, but I, you know, I'm here to support anybody that wants to step in for that role or for non-binary parents. But I, I am leaning more towards the woman's experience in motherhood and creating some kind of like what goes on after mommy and me. Like, it, you know, we sure we've got the support for those first two years, but like, what about when the kids are four or 14 or 24? Like, what sort of mom support systems do we have in place there? So that's what I'm leaning towards. I don't know anything yet. It's all kind of percolating, but um I'm enjoying being in this phase of the not knowing and just soaking everything and I'm absorbing everything possible, <laughs> listening to every podcast, reading every book and taking every course free or otherwise that I can. That's a fun season to be in, to <laughs> be able just to learn and soak it in and sign me up for that mom's support group for the later years as well. It sounds incredible. So one of the questions I'm asking at the end of every podcast is what is lighting you up these days? I mean, you know, I like my instinct is like, oh, my kids are lighting me up and they, and they do. They also dim my light sometimes. Too. <laughs> Let's just be real. Uh, but I think honestly, this, this learning experience, being back to being the student again is very exciting. I love it. I love it. Cause like when you go through a period where it's like you're the teacher for for so long, and you know I've I'm always a student first, but just to be back in trainings and you know to like not have to be at the front of the class, to hide in the back of the class, to not have to raise my hand all the time, it's it's been actually amazing. I feel so infused. I learn something new every day, and I'm just inspired constantly. It's like little light bulbs going off at all times. So truly being lit up. Incredible. And in, I know that I will link in the show notes, your Instagram, your website, your TikTok, your YouTube, but <laughs> where can people find you? Where do you hang out most and where can people connect with you? I think I am in, on Instagram the most, I, you know, for whatever, whatever, if that's good or bad, that just happens to be my hub. I am getting much more serious about my sub stack. I've been writing more consistently on there and, and had a, some... A, a lot of subscribers recently. So thank you if you recently subscribed. Um, it just feels like such a free place for me to write openly and, and about whatever I'd like. But I'm kind of everywhere, you know, and, I, and I'm constantly connected. And, and that's, you know, it goes back to like wanting that village and wanting that community. So anyway, anybody wants to get a hold of me, I'm, I'm sure they'll, they can reach out in any of my channels and, and I'm available. Well, it was so great to reconnect with you, to have you here. I am so inspired by the work that you're doing. I love your book. I want to make it a part of the book club for the moms group at one point. So there's so much wisdom that is shared here, but then and also all the work that you've done. So thanks for making the time today and uh, hope to connect with you again soon. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please rate and review and don't forget to subscribe. Learn more at enowellnesscollective.com and connect with us on Instagram at enowellnesscollective.